Okay, I want you all to know that I needed him a promise this morning, so thank you for reminding me of the hymn. You know, I needed him a promise this morning because I don't know about all of you, but this whole um, quarantine, sequestering, staying at home is, is not easy. Um, in fact, uh, just, just yesterday, I was trying to figure out what to say for Easter morning. And um, so um, I typed in my Google search um, different ideas that I was thinking about, and I finally found myself typing deaths in the past year. What a Google search, huh? Yeah, isn't that exciting? It's a great thing to type. I won't tell you what I found because it's just not fun, but it helped me figure out where I am. You know, um, in fact, just this morning I woke Grayson up, my little child, my son. He's not so little. He's like, Mom, I'm not little. And I, uh, I said, it's time to get up. I said, he says, why are you all dressed up? And I said, I have to go to church, do the service. And he goes, but we're quarantined. I mean, that was his first words. He wasn't even fully awake yet, but we're quarantined. So because of the coronavirus and quarantined and, and this whole staying away from each other and six feet on my desk is a new mask, thank you to the person who made that for me, it's brought to light death, which already on Holy the Holy Week before Easter, we don't need help thinking about death, do we? You know? You have Monday, Thursday, where Jesus eats with his disciples and tells them, in a little while, I'm not going to be with you. You have Good Friday, where we remember again Jesus on the cross. You have Holy Saturday, where um, we sit and reflect and think about what it was like for the disciples for that first year um, when they were living through because they didn't know about Easter. They didn't know that the tomb would be empty. In fact, our opening scripture today that Pastor Kurt read was the women going to the tomb to prepare the body with spices that they had mixed. They didn't have such things as embalming, and so what they would do is they would do this burial preparation and that would help to um, keep the body so that they could have the services and all of the things that they did um, that we still do today, their funeral. And so in light of all of the stuff going around, it's only logical that death would be on our minds. You know, anybody else think about death this last week or is it just me? Yeah, okay, good. You know, I, was remember, I remember the first time I ever experienced death of somebody close to me. My Uncle Don was in his 30s. I was, sad to say, I was 11, 12, somewhere I was young. And all I knew was that all of a sudden, my parents were crying a lot. We had to take a trip, and we went to my aunt's house. My cousins were there. They had just had, she had just had a new baby. And there was a lot of sadness. Since then, I've experienced a lot more death. And I've come to realize sadness is one of the emotions, but so is anger, 
shock, disbelief, and ultimately the one that's the most paralyzing of all, fear. You know, as I was reflecting on the disciples on that Holy Saturday and, and Sunday, their sab- the day after their Sabbath, I was wondering how much fear they were experiencing. You see, they weren't at the tomb. They were hiding. They weren't distancing themselves from each other so that they could keep people safe. They were hiding out because their questions were, will we be next? Are the, are the leaders going to come after us for associating with Jesus? They were probably wondering to themselves, what's next? What, what do we do with everything this man taught us? Was it worth it? You know, Jesus ate with sinners. He healed people on the Sabbath. He broke laws that needed to be broken. We think of him as this man full of peace, but he also disrupted things. We talked last week about how he went into the temple and overthrew the tables and said, don't make my house my father's house into a den of robbers. Don't sell your wares here and make money off people. So I have a feeling there was a little bit of fear with them about what was going to come next. If I'm honest, this Easter has a little bit of fear in it too. A little bit of heartache. A little bit of what comes next. When do we finally get to be with each other again? When do we get to give hugs? Anybody else miss hugs? You know, I learned quickly as a pastor in a nursing home the value of just walking past somebody and saying good morning and just touching them lightly on the shoulder or holding their hand if they reach out because physical touch, oh, it's so healing. Right now, we're being told six feet, man. Being told, I mean, I just read an article about being careful when you run, not to run in each other's slipstream, which makes running easier, because that's where the germs are. Yet we still started today, if you remember, with the promise that the tomb is empty. That Christ wasn't there. We read the scriptures that were the women went to the tomb and the angel said he is not here, he is risen. And on their way back of not understanding, they met Jesus himself. And yet as humans, we don't always understand, do we? What that means. How to comprehend that? You know, as humans, we like to understand. We like to figure things out and comprehend it and make it all fit. In fact, um, Age of Enlightenment was one of the best ages for us as humanity because we started to figure out how all this stuff worked. Age of Enlightenment was when we realized that um, the earth is round. We aren't going to fall off. Descartes, Rene Descartes was trying to, he was a mathematician who was trying to figure out how to use geometry and algebra together and how people think and reason and know things 
and he was working with the understanding of doubt and realized that in the fact that he was thinking, that meant that he had been given a gift from God to exist. Do you believe that? And so he is the one who we now have the joke where Rene Descartes walks into a room and somebody asks him, Are you okay, or have you figured it out yet? And he says, I think not, and poof, he disappeared. <laughs> I love it. Because I think, therefore I am, is what he's known for. And so as humans, we think and we comprehend and we understand, except we don't when it comes to God. When it comes to the promise today, Peter is a prime example, Acts 10. Oh, I love this scripture. Because it's Peter with all of the people around him, and what has happened is Peter has this understanding that Jesus this message of Jesus' resurrection was given for the Jewish people, the ones who were with him, the, the chosen people of God, except 20 verses before, Peter was up on a rooftop praying, and all of a sudden there's this spread of food in front of him, and all of it is unclean. Now, if you're familiar with Jewish customs, unclean food is food that you're not supposed to eat. And it, it makes it so that you cannot be among people. And this food is revealed to him, and God says, eat. And Peter says, no. <laughs> Ultimately, that's the conversation. It's more nuanced. Until God says, Peter. And Peter says, no, it's unclean. And God says, do not call unclean what I have made clean. And the next thing we know, there's people knocking on Peter's door saying, you're supposed to come with us, and he is meeting Gentile people, people who are not Jewish, and, re and realizing God's love, Jesus' resurrection, the miracle we're celebrating today has been revealed to them. And so he's telling all of his Jewish friends in today's scripture, it's not just for us. It's for everyone. Everyone who fears God, fear in this time was known as everyone who reveres, who, who, who is in awe of God, everyone who does what is right for God. This message is for them too. Now I would go on to say that the, the fearing God and the understanding God is what's right for Judaism is often first. For Christianity we often, or we have come to the realization that God's love is first, and then out of response, we fear God and do what is right. For everybody, it's different, but you can't limit. We can't stop God. And so on this Easter Sunday, as we celebrate the resurrected Christ, I ask you, what are you afraid of? Maybe, like Nadia Bowles-Weber shared on her Monday Thursday service on Facebook, it's being loved. Maybe it's receiving for yourself that unconditional love of God. I'm taking, I've been taking a class and will continue on with Reverend Rebecca Simon-Peter, creating a culture of renewal. And in this class, she does a lot of work with fear. And she's, coming up, she's come up with seven main fears people have. The fear of not being enough. The fear of making people mad. The fear of making decisions. 
fear of upsetting others, which would be making people mad. Fear of not being able to accomplish what God has called you to do. Fear of conflict. What other fears do you have? Can you give those up to God and open yourself up to the love, the undeserved love God has for you? Because see, love is greater than fear. As Jesus told the women to go and tell the disciples, he told them, fear not. Do not be afraid. As we come and we are uncertain about the future, because the reality is, as humans, we're always uncertain about the future. I have people who I have walked beside who never expected that they would be where they were. Funerals I have officiated for, for unfair reasons. Death that I faced with others, with myself, you know? I talked about my uncle. Well, it turns out that my mom is one of seven and four are left. She's not even 70 years old, and she's the second oldest. Death is a part of our life. And the good news today is that God has the power and has revealed to us that he is stronger, more powerful, greater than any death we might face doesn't mean we'll avoid it. It means that as we step into it, as we face it, God is here. I invite you to open yourself up to that love, to that power, to that promise. And as you do, we are going to confess the ways we limit, the ways we think we need to understand before we can believe. That's not often how it works. The ways we stop God from working. And as we do, I invite us to let the resurrection power, the glory of God, into our lives. Let us pray together our prayer of confession this morning. Merciful God, we don't always recognize Christ, even when we are looking directly at your incarnate love. We cling to our assumptions about how life on earth should unfold, forgetting that life in your realm shatters those expectations. Forgive us when we go through our daily routine, forgetting to look for the risen one. Forget of us when coming to worship is more about seeing our friends than it is about encountering you and our resurrected Lord. Open our eyes and our hearts, O God, to the full awareness of your presence with us. In each and every moment of our lives, we pray in the name of Christ, who is alive. Alleluia and amen. See, the testimony of all the prophets is united in this message of good news, as Peter said in Acts 10. 
Everyone who believes in Jesus Christ receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Rejoice, for your sins are already forgiven, and that means that God's love is poured upon you. May you live into the promise that God's love is greater than all of our fears, all of your fears, everything in our humanness that might limit God. God has overcome. Thank you, Lord. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.